Hey guys, it's George, one of the authors here at the Uncommon Commons. Alex and I are hard at work on the next couple episodes, and we think we got some really fun stuff coming up. But things happen, and we got a little delayed, so no new episode this week, but we'll be following up in the next two weeks with a brand new episode. This week, I'll be reading one of my older stories. This one was first published in Ghosts, Goblins, Murder, and Madness by Dark Inc., and is actually my first published story. As before, we'll be taking a short break after Hunted Part 2, with more details to come. If you want more Uncommon Commons, then there's a whole world of possibilities out there on our Patreon, patreon.com slash uncommoncommons. Next week, we'll be releasing the finale to our ongoing actual play podcast, Need to Escape, set within Need Park, the amusement park set within the world of the Uncommon Commons, so there's never been a better time to join. For that, behind the scenes and bonus stories just like this one, check it out on patreon.com slash uncommoncommons. Today's story is Tenants, written by George Plank. As always, content warnings can be found in the description. This one does get a little intense, so audience discretion is advised. Thank you guys so much. Stay. And remember, nothing is real. The key slipped effortlessly into the lock. The sound of tumblers clicking into place soon followed. The doorknob turned quickly, with purpose. The elderly hand of the landlady pushed the door open for the young man who wore a very excited look on his face. And here's the apartment, said the woman. I'm sorry, I'm terrible with names. Would you mind reminding me? Grant. uh, Charles Grant. uh, My friends call me Chuck. Well, Charles, I'm sure you'll like it here. Would you like the grand tour? Chuck nodded his head, and the two of them began exploring the expanse of the 300-foot studio apartment. The landlady was highly energetic, despite appearing to be somewhere in her mid-80s. Mrs. Gokiebury, a first-generation Asian-American immigrant, led led the tour with her smile and a few cracked jokes over the coziness of the apartment. She had been married years ago, but after her husband died, she sold their house and bought several apartments. To this day, she is always highly recommended by her tenants, almost all of whom familiarly call her Mrs. G. Chuck laughed along with every joke that she lobbed his way. He needed to make a good first impression. He had lived in a few less-than-stellar apartments over the past few years, and after being evicted from his last place, he had been couch-surfing for the past two and a half weeks. His hoodie was well-worn, even though it was only about a year old. As far as jackets go, it wasn't particularly heavy, so it was ideal for those late October days. The days were becoming shorter, and the early approach of night brought with it a chill that meant that summer was definitely over. Chuck saw his hoodie as the last defense against the cold before he would have to buy a new winter coat. He had been forced to give up his old one because living couch to couch afforded him no extra space. It was by good fortune that he saw a listing for a small studio apartment in an independently run local newspaper to which he had forgotten he had subscribed. He called the number in the classified ad, and Mrs. G gave him a specific time and a place to meet her. Chuck thought to himself that she must have used the time before his arrival to tidy up the apartment because it was so clean, almost immaculate. How long has this place been available? Oh, not very long, Mrs. G said with a comforting smile. My last tenant left rather abruptly. Chuck was completely blown away by this. Between the cleanliness of the apartment and the low cost of rent, he couldn't imagine anyone wanting to leave, especially without warning. Mrs. G must have sensed Chuck's unease because she added, He never seemed to get along with my other tenants. The tour concluded in the apartment's kitchen nook. It was a small space, but it offered enough room for some mobility while cooking. Not that that was a selling point for Chuck. He could hardly make an oven pizza without burning the crust. 
The walls were lined with shelves that appeared to have at once held a wide array of spices and other cooking essentials. Across from a gas range stove was a refrigerator. Though it wasn't, the clean whiteness of it made it appear to shine like new. Just as the pair turned to leave the kitchen, Chuck's eyes were drawn downward by sudden movement. A small brown dot moved across the white tile floor directly in front of the doorframe. As if driven by instinct, Chuck's foot came down swift and hard on the roach. There was a loud crunch under the sole of Chuck's used sneakers. Chuck lifted his shoe to reveal a sticky brown stain on the floor where the roach had once been. Mrs. G let out a large gasp and clutched her chest in surprise. Dear, I'm sorry you had to see that. We've never had a problem with roaches in this building before. Mrs. G clasped her hands together and leaned forward a bit. Her posture and nervous smile gave Chuck the impression that she was bowing. She was clearly very embarrassed by the sight of it on her clean tile floor. It's all right, ma'am, he reassured her. I saw a lot worse in my old apartment. It's nothing I haven't had to deal with before, and it's its nothing that a few cans of aerosol pest control can't fix. Chuck laughed quietly to himself all the way to her office. He also told her some of the horror stories from his previous apartments along the way and expressed how grateful he was to be in a place that was so well maintained. In her office, Mrs. G told him that the rent was always due on the first day of the month. It was October 28th. He had three days to get his first payment to her. While not favorable, Chuck felt this agreement was probably standard, and he agreed to the terms on the spot. The next day, Chuck's rideshare arrived in front of the apartment complex, and he took a good, long look at the front of the building. From the outside, the apartment building was not much to look at. It was blocky and modular. Under each window was a small section of roofing that allowed rain to run off the building effectively. But what really caught Chuck's eye was a plastic skeleton hanging near the front door. The edge of the building's roof was also lined with what looked like orange and black tinsel. On his way into the building, Chuck walked past the tombstones lining the minuscule front lawn. Plastic Halloween stickers and other spooky decorative oddities clung to the hallway walls all the way up to his door. Chuck unloaded all two of the boxes carrying his personal effects. He wasn't in any way a minimalist, he just didn't have all that much in the first place. Fortunately, Mrs. G allowed him to borrow a futon a former tenant had left behind. After living couch to couch, it was nice to have something that resembled a bed, at least. In his boxes were the standard fare of items. Dishes, silverware, sheets, pillows, a couple microwave burritos, which had comprised the entirety of his diet for the last few weeks, and a few movies on DVD. He didn't own a television yet, but he intended to watch movies on his laptop for entertainment until he could have internet installed in his apartment. He spent the rest of the day finding space for his few possessions. He unpacked and hung up a print he had bought from a museum gift shop. It was the only piece of artwork that he owned. And against the clean but drab walls of the apartment, it looked incredibly out of place. The piece was glossy and colorful, while still very stirring. If you looked at it from certain angles, the glare from the sun or a rampant light bulb would render the art itself unviewable. The walls, in contrast, were an off-white color and textured in such a way that they felt bumpy to the touch. Chuck settled down for the night on his new futon. He was grateful that the futon mattress did not smell too much like its previous owner. Over the past two or so weeks, he had been on futons and hide-a-beds that seemed to have retained every odor that had ever been in the same room as them. The lack of an odor did not stop Chuck from laying down a layer of aerosol disinfectant before applying his feebly laundered sheets. The futon was seated comfortably in the middle of the room. Thankfully, none of the windows faced directly east or were dead on with any street lamps. 
so only the residual light from the city at large dared to permeate his room. Chuck drifted to sleep to the thought that he was finally getting his life together. He finally had a permanent address. Tomorrow he had several interviews with businesses near his apartment, and he had some money saved away to tide him over until then. Things were finally looking up. He turned and looked to the now empty boxes near the edge of the room. He was certain that next time he moved, he would need much more than just those two boxes to move all of his belongings. Chuck could feel the tendrils of sleep closing in upon him. His eyes were getting heavy, so he let his head fall further into the pillow. The sounds of the night echoed from the window as the radiators hissed. Chuck felt these sounds meant that he was finally taking steps in the right direction. He was firmly on sleep's doorsteps when the sounds were interrupted by a nearby skittering. Chuck's eyes opened wide for a moment, but hearing nothing, he closed them again, only to have his attention drawn away from his pillow by the sounds of something small, scurrying and scuttling. The sound seemed to be coming from one of his empty boxes. He listened for a moment to make sure that it was not his ears playing tricks on him. When the noise came again, he grabbed his phone and walked over to the boxes. He pointed his phone at the box and turned on the flashlight. The light shone into the first box, and then quickly the other. Nothing was found inside. Whatever must have been inside the box was now gone. Chuck turned the boxes upside down and made his way to the futon. Lying in the bed for what felt like hours, he waited and listened. A quick check of his phone told him that barely twenty minutes had passed. For the time being, he was satisfied. Again, he came close to sleep, but not before he heard the final creeping crawl of several small feet against cardboard. Light poured through the window to illuminate the empty expanse of the apartment. The off-white seemed extra harsh in the morning light when paired with the grating tones of Chuck's alarm. It was the default tone that came with the phone, but it had proven time and time again to be more than capable of waking him up. He rose and paused for a moment in a dazed state as he remembered where the bathroom was in his new place. He rated himself for the slew of interviews he had planned for today. He wasn't too excited about his prospects. He had next to no work experience, and he put on his best and only suit, brushed absolutely everything, and put a few drops of cologne behind his ears. He would spare no expense in acquiring one of these positions today. His second alarm rang. He rushed towards the door, leaving the room in more or less the same conditions, save for the fact that he had yet to adjust or remake his futon. Just before his hand was about to grab the doorknobs, he heard something that reminded him of the sounds he heard the night before. He turned his attention towards the upturned boxes on the other side of the room. He walked over to them and lifted them, one before the other, and flipped them over, not knowing what to expect. There was nothing inside nor underneath the boxes. Just then, he heard the sound of small feet again, this time coming from just outside his window. He noticed a squirrel making its way across a section of slate roofing. Each step the squirrel took made a section of the roof shimmy, and the resulting sound emulated a kind of scuttling noise. Chuck breathed a sigh of relief, content to believe that his last night was just part of his imagination. He turned the boxes back upright and made his way back to the door, closing it behind him. The sound of Chuck's key turning in the tumblers of the lock was the last thing to be heard in the apartment, before the skittering of tiny feet in the boxes began again. By the time Chuck returned to his apartment, it was late in the evening. He returned with a smile, a couple of frozen pizzas, and a bottle of the cheapest liquor he had spotted in the store. While he didn't hear anything definite from any of the employers he had met today, several of them said that he had promise, potential, and chutzpah. Chuck didn't know what chutzpah was, but it sure did sound promising. 
He was going to call today a victory, and hopefully they would be calling him soon. He put the pizzas away in the freezer, poured himself a tall glass of the brown liquid, which Chuck realized was labeled bourbon, and fished a microwavable burrito out of the freezer. In the kitchen, Chuck's head turned to the small brown spot he had created when he killed the roach during the tour. He grabbed a napkin and tried to wipe the stain clean. Despite his best efforts, the stain was too dried in to come up, even with a moistened napkin. When the contents of the burrito had finished heating, he adjusted his futon into the sitting position. With a glass and a plate in hand, he placed his laptop on his leg and inserted one of his favorite movies. It was a cheesy 80 movie that he had seen decades ago. On a good day, he could recite the entire script from memory. It was comforting to him. He could take the time to become enveloped in the moment. No lights were on in the apartment, and only a few of the street lamps had flickered to life. Only the pulse of light from his laptop illuminated the area around Chuck. He had a few more sips before setting the glass down on the flattest part of the futon. He stretched out, splaying both arms out along the top of the futon. He closed his eyes and listened to the sounds from the film. He was plucked violently out of his relaxation by an unwelcome sensation. He felt something crawling on his right arm. He didn't even have time to ponder how it got to the middle of his arm before he finally lurched, toppled his computer, and spilled his drink on his sheets. With a swift gesture of his left hand, he brushed whatever it was away from him and heard it land with a thud elsewhere in the room. He rushed over to the light switch and flipped it on. He scanned the room quickly, but was unable to find the thing that startled him. He grabbed a towel and tried his best to salvage what he could from his bedsheets. For tonight, he would have to sleep on the mattress alone. Chuck moved the damp coverings to the hamper for the night and decided that in the morning he would have to do laundry. He moved the plate and the glass to the sink. If nothing else, he was going to clean the dishes tonight. Chuck wiped the plate with a damp cloth and moved it to the drying rack. He merely rinsed out the glass before setting it to the side. He let what little soapy water there was run down the drain before wringing out the dishcloth. In the corner of his eye, Chuck saw a brown dot move in the sink. This one couldn't have been more than three centimeters in length, but its movements were definitely deliberate. This one. This one was distinct from the other one he had stepped on during the tour. This one was a lighter brown in color. And close to the insect's rear was a large white section. Egg sack or not, Chuck was not going to let this one get away. After the scare he had gotten before, he was ready to take out some of his aggression on this insect. His hand came down hard and fast on the roach. The roach, in turn, had only a moment to run before its limbs crackled under the force of Chuck's hand. Chuck felt the crunch of its exterior shell and the soft release of its innards. Once more, there was a small brown stain where it had been. Using the sink's extendable hose, the swirling water of the drain carried the brown, white, and gray pieces away. The rest of the day passed in mediocrity, and as the late hours of the evening crept into the room, Chuck realized he had done nothing with the day. The employers he had met with had not yet called him back, and he realized the local laundromat was too far from his apartment to walk to clean his stained sheets. What he had managed to accomplish was watching the entirety of his movie library in one sitting. Chuck laid on the bare futon and waited. Waited for sleep to once again take him. Waited for the urge to do anything at all, but... What kept him awake was the anticipation of another visitor. He remembered the one from the night before, how the sensation of skittering had stirred him out of his sleep. So suddenly, his hand instinctively went to the section of arm from which the sensation came. The skin had become raised, and he could feel small bumps along his arm. He crooked his fingers and began to scratch. The next morning's sun streaked through his windows, 
and the brightness of the room stung Chuck's eyes. It didn't matter. He didn't get much sleep last night. The light that shone through his windows revealed his legs and his arms. There were red patches on every inch of his flesh. He had scratched himself raw in some places. He rose out of bed and put on his slippers. Maybe it had been his lack of sleep or the constant scratching, but Chuck felt weaker this morning, and there was a definite soreness in his legs as he walked to the kitchen. His head ached a little, and his vision was cloudy. He staggered around the counter. He could still appreciate how he had yet to dirty the kitchen. It was just as pristine as ever, with all of its clean countertops, its white speckled floor. Speckles that appeared to be moving the longer Chuck admired the floor. He rubbed his eyes for a moment, and the fine speckles revealed themselves to be hundreds of tiny cockroaches. He was surprised for a moment, but his fear soon turned to anger. He rose his slippered foot and brought it down into a large cluster of the creatures. Chuck jumped into the middle of the kitchen and began stamping on anything that moved. The roaches took notice of this carnage, and they quickly scattered in different directions. Many ran towards the cabinets, but they quickly met the bottom of his slipper. Others made a beeline for the underside of the refrigerator or the oven, but but almost all were squashed with the fervor of a man whose home had just been invaded. The casualties were many and scattered far across the expanse of the kitchen. Chuck stood there for a few minutes, breathing heavily. He collected himself before briskly exiting his apartment. He made his way down the hall and knocked loudly on the door of apartment 1A. Before he could knock a second time, he was met by a frantic Asian woman in her bathrobe and curlers. Mrs. Gokibury didn't look tired, despite the relatively early hour. Instead, it seemed like she had a million things going on at once. Chuck peered into her room for a second. He saw that she was boiling something in a large pot on her stove. She had her crock pot on high, and her TV was blaring some infomercial about non-stick cookware at full blast. She may have been a bit of a neat freak, but Mrs. G definitely had a flair for the kitsch. Her room was full of other Halloween-themed tchotchkes. Every nook and cranny had another skull or pumpkin. Chuck hadn't noticed it when he first moved in, but her main window was covered in an elaborate spiderweb. Mrs. G didn't seem to care about any of that. She looked at Chuck as if his issues were just another project for her to work on. What's wrong, dear? Mrs. G's face wrinkled as she smiled widely. I'm sorry to bother you, ma'am, but I seem to be having a bit of a bug issue. Bugs? Her smile disappeared just as quickly as it had appeared. Her head hung low. Its creases made it look like her eyes had sunken completely into her skull, the way a snail recoils into its shell. Her shame was replaced with a sense of determination that Chuck had never before seen. She reached behind the door and retrieved an antique spray canister and a swatter. Chuck led the charge back to his apartment. With Mrs. G's help, he knew that the issue would be handled quickly. She would see the scores of dead cockroaches on his kitchen floor, and then, then she would see to it herself that every last insect was eradicated once and for all. He held open the door, and Mrs. G advanced at full force. Chuck stood out in the hall, half expecting to hear a shriek from this neat freak landlady, but nothing came. He entered to find Mrs. G in the middle of his kitchen with a flashlight. She looked at Chuck with an expression of confusion and exasperation. The area around her was completely white. There was no sign of any of the carnage from this morning's events. None of the exoskeletons were to be found. Mrs. G looked under the fridge, the oven, and even within the cabinets, all the places that Chuck had seen them crawling towards. Even though she found nothing, she was very thorough. 
He told her about the one that he had caught on the lip of the sink. She looked the sink and countertop over, and again, she found nothing. What she did find were the dishes that Chuck had washed yesterday. With one of her nails, she scratched at a dried-on food stain on his plate. Her look was short, but disapproving and harsh. She gave the room a once-over examination. Well, he was originally excited to have her in his place to do something about the issue. Now, every dart of her eyes brought with it more shame and embarrassment. She didn't say anything, but Chuck knew that she was less than thrilled about the unmade state of his bed and the empty boxes he had yet to put away after his move. When she eventually left his apartment, he apologized profusely for tearing her away from what she was working on, but also silently for the mess that he had already let his room become. His door closed, and seconds later he heard hers do the same. Chuck stared at a sparkling white floor in the kitchen. Had he really encountered an insect horde this morning, or was his mind just playing tricks on him? His attention turned to the boxes which were still out in the open. The very least he could do was fold them up and put them away for the time being. He grabbed the edge of the cardboard structure. Remembering the sounds he had heard two nights ago, he peered inside the box, expecting to perhaps find the corpse of the thing that had crawled across his arm. But he knew that there would be nothing inside. If there was, Mrs. G would have found it. If there was, Mrs. G would have found it in her very thorough search. There was no tiny cadaver inside the case, but what was inside did take Chuck aback for a moment. On the bottom of the cardboard box was a large, discolored, wet spot. The stain seemed to expand outward from the middle of the box and creep its way to the edges. Chuck lifted the box to get a closer look at the stain, and before he could inspect the spot closer, he felt the sensation of several small somethings running across his feet. Thousands upon thousands of cockroaches emerged from the wet spot and skittered in every direction. Some made their ways to the walls and other sections of the floor. The few that had invaded his slippers were moving along every inch of his feet. He hurriedly took off his slippers and hurled them towards the wall. Dozens of roaches flew out like an explosion when it, con when it contacted the side of his apartment. He brushed off the ones that had begun crawling up his leg and stamped at the ones that were still in the center of the wet point. When he felt even more crawling up his other leg, he dropped the box and headed straight for the door. In the hallway, he made sure there were no others on his personage. Even without seeing them, he could still feel them crawling all over his body. Their tiny legs and antennae irritated his skin in ways he had not yet imagined were possible. And itching became more necessary than breathing. Chuck scratched hard at the already inflamed parts of his body, he more closely resembled a tomato than a man. His need to scratch superseded his pain tolerance. He scratched the back of his hand so hard that he broke skin, and a small amount of blood seeped from the scrape. He made his way, for the second time today, to his landlady's door. Well, visibly tired after the ordeal he had put her through earlier, she was still sympathetic for whatever he was going through. She recoiled heavily when she spotted the scrape. She had him wait out in the hallway while she made a phone call. Chuck heard her pick up the receiver, and a few minutes later she emerged. "'You know, we can't keep meeting up like this,' she said, the hint of a forced joke in her voice. "'Who knows what the neighbors might think?' Chuck laughed. Even though he was quite stirred after his ordeal, the last thing he wanted was to seem impolite. He could tell, he could tell he was on thin ice with Mrs. G, and even though she was still cracking jokes, he knew that her patience with him was coming to an end. Besides, she added, well after the moment had passed, I do have other men in my life, like the exterminator that'll be paying us a visit this afternoon. Chuck breathed a major sigh of relief and smiled. Maybe he could finally put all this behind him. 
He didn't dare re-enter his room until the exterminator arrived. Every time he thought about even touching his door, he felt himself itching from head to toe. He moved to a corner of the hallway for a moment. He checked his phone every five minutes for a new message, or maybe even a call from one of the employers whom he had met. But none came. It didn't matter. He was pulled away from his device every so often by a skittering sound that he felt was only getting louder and closer. The final time his head rose to meet the skittering, he visibly jumped. Inches from his face was an enormous cockroach, and it had cornered him with nowhere to run. Is your name... There was a pause as the roach seemed to collect its thoughts. Is your name Chuck? Uh, yes? Chuck almost dropped to the fetal position before he reassured himself that most cockroaches don't usually carry clipboards. The cockroach looked up and revealed himself to be a man, maybe 30 years old, with Coke bottle glasses and a big smile on his face. His teeth were large and stained yellow and brown. His face was accented by a scraggly goatee. Chuck assumed that his hair was probably just as curly, even though he couldn't know for sure because it was covered by the official Nexterminate uniform ball cap with a cockroach's face printed on it. Hiya. I'm Scott from Nexterminate. Mrs. G told us you have a bit of a roach problem. Scott outlined the basic Nexterminate package, which had already been paid for by Mrs. G, as the two of them walked from the front of the apartment to the Nexterminate truck. Scott grabbed a couple of canisters and other supplies and loaded them onto his white utility belt. He chatted briefly with his co-worker, a teenager named Tucker, who seemed to be far less interested in making conversation than Scott was. He was very young-looking, and while it looked like Scott was preparing himself for battle, Tucker was intently playing on some kind of portable gaming system. Scott explained that although Tucker was not yet old enough to legally handle some of the more dangerous chemicals they had in their truck, Nexterminators were required to travel two per vehicle, and so, since he was old enough to drive, the company hired Tucker to drive the van. Chuck opened the door to his apartment, expecting to see a large cluster swarming around the room. But when he entered, there were none to be seen. Scott looked around the room and shouldered one of the canisters. Cozy place. Pay much for it? Scott began pumping the canister, pointing a nozzle into various crevices and cracks around the room. If anything was coming out, it was far too fine a mess to be seen by the naked eye. N no. Chuck scanned the room, stunned that he was unable to find any evidence of the bugs at all. The only sign that there had been bugs at all was the light brown stain in the kitchen that Chuck had created when he stepped on the roach during his tour. That's good. Mrs. G always gives a fair price. You know, we get called out to this here building maybe once every one or two years. But that woman is such a neat freak. We never found a single bug in her apartment. Come to think of it, I don't think I've ever been in this particular apartment before. She must have just bought it or something. Hey, you looking at something there, Fran? Chuck was suddenly made aware of the fact that he had been staring at the one brown stain on the floor the entire time Scott had been spraying the apartment. Scott had taken a canister off his shoulder and now joined Chuck in, this, in staring at the brown spot. Ah, oh, what happened there? Spill a little chili or something? Uh, no, I stepped on a roach or something. Scott raised an eyebrow and slowly sank to the floor, all the while keeping an eye on Chuck. He turned and lowered his head, his nose not an inch away from the stain. He took a few whiffs <laughs> and eyed the stain for a few seconds before rising to meet Chuck face to face. You said a roach left that stain? Chuck nodded. My friend, that was no ordinary roach. Have you ever heard of the elusive Scandinavian cockroach? Chuck shook his head. 
I didn't think so. The Vikings brought them over to America hundreds of years ago. These babies can live for years on the smallest amount of food and water. If you see one, there's guaranteed to be hundreds, if not thousands, in the crawl spaces. He pointed to the empty canister that was leaning against the wall. That stuff will take care of any American cockroach just fine. But Scandinavian cockroaches? I may as well have just been spraying water. He pulled a card out of his utility belt. This is my personal extension. Call me if you see any more of those suckers. Chuck took the card and watched as Scott gathered his things, made his way down the hallway, and walked out the door. The room was quiet for what seemed like the first time since he arrived. The hallways were dead silent, as everyone else had gone to work for the day. Even Mrs. G had left after paying the exterminator. Chuck held the card that Scott had given him tightly in his left hand. Scandinavian cockroach, he said to himself. Somehow, giving a name to his tormentor made it more addressable. If it had a name, he could take care of it. Chuck closed his eyes for a moment before he was stirred by the sound of Scott slamming the truck door and laughing loudly. Chuck looked out of his open window and saw that the next Terminate van was parked on the street directly below him. Neither of the two men looked up from what they were doing, so they were both completely unaware of his presence. Another good sale? asked a voice which must have belonged to Tucker. Like you would not believe! So I'm doing my spray routine when I notice this nutball is staring at the floor. I finish up the apartment and I join him. He tells me he stepped on a cockroach a few days ago and a stain had set into the floor. So naturally, I went into my Scandinavian cockroach spiel and the sucker bought it hook, line, and sinker. Hey, remember this, kiddo. You know what professionals call the Scandinavian cockroach? Yeah. Job security, Tucker said. He was clearly parroting something he had been told many times before. The pair pulled away, leaving Chuck alone at the window, bemused and betrayed. He closed the window and sat at inside his apartment. He needed something to take his mind off of what he had just heard, so he went to the freezer and pulled out a large pizza. At least he wouldn't have to worry about preparing meals for another day or two. He turned the dial on the oven to 400 degrees before diverting his attention to the pizza on the counter. He peeled back the plastic and separated the cold food from the cardboard. Just as he was about to put it in the oven, he noticed a small brown speck crawling along the edge of the sink. He put down the pizza and struck the spot with all the force he could muster. He took joy in this moment of violence. He didn't care that his specimen meant that the exterminators had cheated him and Mrs. G. He just cared about the swiftness of his hand and the satisfying crunch underneath. He raised his hand and watched as the antennae continued to move, though separated from the body. Chuck once again picked up the frozen pizza from the counter and swiveled towards the oven. Its dial was old and worn in places. This was entirely unnoticeable when he first entered the apartment, and he probably wouldn't have noticed it now if it hadn't been turning backwards. From 400 degrees, it rotated. 350, 325, 300 degrees. Chuck leaned in to get a closer look and a large horde of cockroaches began crawling out from behind the dial. Chuck stared at the oven in disbelief. Suddenly he felt something crawling on his arm as thousands of medium-sized cockroaches were working their way down his arm from the pizza, the center of which appeared to be an entire colony of roaches eating their way out from the cold disk of dough. More roaches began pouring out from beneath the refrigerator, the oven, even from within the cracks in the walls. He fled the kitchen and found himself in the living room of the apartment. The floor was dotted with more and more pests. Some had made their way from the kitchen into the living room by crawling along the wall. 
Chuck noticed that a few of them had made their way onto the art piece which hung on the wall. Chuck's hand struck the piece as he tried to exterminate as many of the roaches as he could. With each blow, he killed about five. Blow after blow, more of the roaches appeared on the piece in the walls. The piece was no longer glossy or shiny. If light struck it now, the painting would be scarcely visible underneath the layers of cockroach guts which coated it. Tired, Chuck stumbled and found himself backed up against the futon. He was still desperately trying to swat away the few cockroaches which were clinging to his arms when he felt more of them crawling across his legs. He looked down to discover that his futon had been unzipped slightly, and that more of the cockroaches were seeping out of it. The futon itself had begun convulsing as if there were some wild animal trapped inside of it that was desperately seeking to escape. Then the zipper inched more and more open until the light seepage turned into a waterfall of insects. Chuck ran towards the door to escape what his room had become. He placed his hand firmly on the knob and tried to turn it, but his best attempts were met in vain. He felt something scratching against his palm where his hand and the doorknob met. He removed his hand to find more roaches coming through the lock of the door. If he couldn't open the door, he was going to attempt to break it down. He braced himself and charged directly at it. As the full force of his body met the door, a shower of cockroaches rained down on top of him, landing on his head and in his hair. Most of them came pouring out of every cranny of the apartment. The roaches had jammed the door, but Chuck knew he had to escape. He tried the windows, but again, the roaches had jammed the locks tight. The bumps that had made up the texture of the walls began to crack open, revealing more cockroaches. The floor no longer resembled a floor. It was now an undulating, twitching mass that had no definite shape. The scraping of feet on feet on feet and the twitching of antennae resonated deeply within the grains of the wood and produced a deep, pulsating sound throughout the apartment. Despite Chuck's attempts to swat them away, the roaches had found their way under his clothing. They were now crawling along every inch of his flesh. His swatting turned to scratching as he once again could no longer resist the incessant need to scratch that these insects created in him. Chuck spotted one of the larger roaches, one with a large white sack on his lower abdomen, making its way along his arm and down to the back of his hand. The roach seemed to walk directly along the trail of blood that Chuck's scratching had created when he broke skin. He watched in terror as the roach dove head first into his open wound. Chuck tried in vain to smash the roach, but wherever he made contact with his skin, he only managed to leave behind bruises that blossomed beneath the white and red streaks left from his incessant scratching. The roach in his arm made his flesh bubble up. He watched in terror as it moved freely under the skin of his arm. There were suddenly two bumps, one that continued to move freely in his arm and another that sat perfectly still. Chuck lifted his hand and came down upon the stagnant mass. The lump flattened out and for a moment he thought he had averted something terrible. After a second, however, movement came from where the lump had been. His skin ballooned a little at first and hundreds of smaller flesh bubbles swarmed and scattered, tracing the veins and arteries of his arm. Chuck screamed, in fear, in pain in the hope that someone, anyone in the apartment building would hear him. But the wider he opened his mouth, the more roaches crawled inside. He tried to spit them out, but too many had already made their way down his throat. Even more entered through his nostrils. Soon every orifice of his body was being invaded by insects. The room became dark as a multitude of roaches blocked out the light that was coming from the window. Roaches had somehow found their ways into the light sockets and were shorting out the electricity. The roaches had knocked the art off the wall, what was left of the walls anyway, and the walls had been replaced by a pulsating brown mass. The multitude now resembled a single fleshy entity instead of millions upon millions of tiny insects. The ceilings had become saturated to the point that with every 
second that passed, hundreds of more roaches rained down from above. Chuck was struggling to breathe. He could feel the roaches replacing his very being. He was still trying to swat and scratch them away since it was all that he could do. He had scratched himself to the bone in some places. Flesh and sinew hung from his body, dripping into the waist-high pool of roaches. He could feel each one of them as they crawled outside and inside of his body. He could also feel them biting into him as he sank deeper and deeper under the wave of roaches. When only his face was above the pool, he could no longer scream. His face contorted to the shape of abject terror, but he was incapable of mustering any sound. Roaches moved freely in and out of his mouth and nose as his eyes rolled back into his skull and his facial muscles relaxed at last. The key slipped effortlessly into the lock, and the sound of tumblers clicking into place soon followed. The doorknob turned quickly, with purpose. The elderly hand that was clasped around it pushed the door open for the young man with a very excited look on his face. And here's the apartment. I'm sorry, but I'm terrible at names. Would you mind reminding me? Oh, Thomas. Uh, Thomas Anderson. Well, Mr. Anderson, I hope the apartment is to your liking. Why don't you look around? The room was immaculately clean. The walls were well painted, and there was scarcely a mark indicating anything had ever been upon them. The kitchen looked brand new. It seemed impossible that the floor could look so white, but somehow this kitchen was spared any blemish. So, why did the last guy leave? Thomas was almost unwilling to believe someone could ever leave such a nice place. Oh, he didn't really say. I personally think he was a little antisocial. I mean, he was a bit aggressive towards my other tenants from the beginning. She paused for a moment to gather her thoughts and rummaged through a bag of goods from the corner store. Now, we do have to discuss the issue of your first payment. Usually, I collect rent on the first of the month, but I'm sure we can work something out. She pulled a pointy hat from her shopping bag and put it on her head. What with it being Halloween and all. 